Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Now, I'm sure you know that Audible.com has audiobooks, but you might not know about the other content. So head over to audibletrial.com slash business growth, sign up for the free trial and go exploring. Check out all the content that's there for you to enjoy. The Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast continues to enjoy inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to. And this is really because of the guests. These are folks who have expertise in particular areas of business, and they join me for a conversation where they share that expertise with all of you. Today is no exception. My guest today is Andre Young. Andre is a professional speaker, author, trainer, and founder of you Evolving Now, LLC. He worked as a mental health therapist for 19 years, played sports at every level from high school to professional, has been an employee, a business owner, and self-employed. He's written three books focused on enhancing leadership and work-life harmony. As founder of You Evolving Now, it's his mission to enhance leadership and work-life harmony for organizations leaders, employees, and teams with his high-energy, interactive, culture-changing leadership training. Thanks so much for joining me today, Andre. Oh, it's a pleasure, Diane. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys for listening. And that was such an awesome introduction. It's great being here today. Well, I am thrilled to have you here. Um, And I have to tell you that when I was reading your bio, I had so much difficulty not saying work-life balance, you know, it kept tripping me up. So I I would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, why is it work-life harmony? 
Um, well, it's a great starting point because one, I'm always going to pair leadership and work-life harmony. I want to be synonymous with that because it is so important, especially going through the times that we're living in. And I don't believe in work-life balance. What I believe is it can stress us out more than anything else when we're attempting to get this perfect balance. Uh, I tell people all the time, look, we live in America. We're going to work. You are going to work. And there's going to be times when the scale's off balance. There's times and seasons in our life where we're working more. There's times where we are um, maybe not working more, sometimes due to something that we enjoy or don't enjoy, as COVID. Uh, so work-life balance, even if you can get it, it is so impossible to maintain it because life changes. So instead of trying to get something that's so hard to maintain, work-life harmony is attainable and achievable for all of us. So no matter how much you're working or your life um, and you have other responsibilities, can we find harmony in our work, in our relationships, and in our lives that we can be content with who we are and where we're going? So work-life harmony really you know, soothes my soul. And it's been a great thing for people to hear and know that they can achieve and it gives them some breathing space. Uh, you know, I have four kids. I run a business. My life is not balanced nor very spontaneous. Okay. <laughs> you know, however, my life is in, in great harmony. You know, I don't, um, you know, I wake up early than everybody else to do things for me, to create, to write, to post, to work out. Um, I also, um, I, I see my wife off the bed. We might lay, we chill, we watch our shows. And I might get back up to go and do things from 1130 to one o'clock because it's significant for my business and I'm not competing with family time. That's, that doesn't look like work-life balance to a lot of people. However, I have great harmony. Yeah, it's so interesting. And, and I just, I love how you said that this work-life balance thing actually stresses people out because I, I so agree with you. They think they're supposed to be this even exchange and, and in reality, there isn't. So this feels very liberating, you know, that, that people can go, oh, okay, well, this I can do because this makes more sense. Oh, yeah, it, it really does. And it just allows us to be human. Yeah. And um, I like to say, I don't like to say what I have to do. I say what yeah. I get to do. I'm big on leaders using great language, not only to benefits them, but everybody else around them. I get to do all of these things. It's how I place them and make time for them and, and put them in my calendar. And whether that's your duties for work, whether that's your significant other, your kids, your life, you put it in your calendar in a way that harmonizes with who you are and who those people are. And things tend to work themselves out just fine. Okay, so wait, I wanna pull on this a little bit because if I'm hearing you correctly, when I'm part of what I'm hearing is, that we really do have to make sure we're putting family time and you know specific things on the calendar so we're sure that we separate from work and and do those things is that right it is absolutely right and it's the easiest thing that we can do that most of us all have in, uh, access to and for instance i'm interviewing uh executive assistants uh actually this week on friday so I'm going to be interviewing executive assistants. Now, not everybody has that luxury or need to hire an actual person to be an executive assistant. However, we all carry around our phones. Everybody got a phone. 
we can choose to use that to be our executive assistant. Huh. Most people don't do things that they know are good for themselves and their relationships because they're simply walking around professionally or personally with this tornado of have-tos in their mind. And they're so busy being busy that they forget to be better. And oh, I love that. Yeah, and it is whether it's guilt because if I take some time for me or my friends or whatever, whatever is important to me, I feel bad or I don't have time because we wear this badge of busyness like it's this great honor as if, as if, if you passed away and got hit by a Mack truck tomorrow, the world will continue to spin and people will figure it out. So <laughs> making time and taking time are two different things that I teach a lot of people, a lot of organizations, a lot yeah. of people in organizations. Making the time means Work is important. Great. From a work-life harmony perspective, you're significant, you're significant other. I hope they're important. I hope yeah. your kids are important. I hope your friends are important. And I hope you are important. Have you made time? And simply go to your calendar. I said, I live a very unspontaneous life. But I put my wife, I put a date night with my wife in my calendar. I have my kids date time with them in my calendar. I have time with my friends that I know I need that I can go and relax, but also evolve. And once a month, they're in my calendar. Because if it's not in my calendar, I will find things to do that are tend to be work related or other people related or favor related. And then I walk around burnt out and bitter and frustrated saying how much I do and I can't. Look, we are in control of this. So making time means you put it in the calendar. Taking time means when that time comes, because I have it in my calendar and I've put alerts to it, I can't miss it. I have to choose to miss it. When it comes up, I do not make excuses not to do it. Huh. So that's make time and take time. And it will yeah. enhance not only you, it will enhance your relationships. It will enhance you professionally and personally. And what tends to get scheduled gets done. I don't bump yeah. things. Yeah, boy, I, I'm, I'm, so I'm such a huge proponent of putting things on your calendar. And I'm listening to you and I'm thinking to myself, Boy, you know, if more people did this, then they wouldn't feel that um, that stress and that conflict around not being able to spend time with people they want to spend time with because they can't seem to figure out when to do it because other things take over. Absolutely. And here's a tip, because once you can put it in your calendar, you can now go back to your busy. It's scheduled. It's done. Good. Now go focus on something else and grow. Um, the, the difficulty comes when you attempt to schedule this time with other people. And whether this is in business or whether this is in our personal lives, most people aren't listening to what you're listening to, reading what, you know, what we read. So I came up with a leader's two dates. And I do this with my friends and I do this in business. Hey, are you free the 13th? You know, I'm available the 13th at this time or this time. Which one works best for you? And now that takes away the whole, let's circle back or let me figure it out. Or, hey, I haven't heard from, boom, you put it out there, let them pick one and then put it in the calendar. And I hope you put this in your calendar, it's locked in mind and I ain't moving it. And it's amazing. Now we can go back to our life and do the things that we get to do. And when that comes up, that's one of them. Yeah, boy, I, I really, I, I just love this now. I want to shift a little bit because you said something um, a couple minutes ago about 
the, you know, the words that we use yeah. mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the importance of that, especially with leaders. Will you expand on that? Oh, sure. There's a, uh, there's a few words um, that I'm honored to get to do trainings with, uh, with, with organizations, C-suite management and individuals, and it's called bully words. Um, and overall construction talk, the, the big premise around this is what I call construction talk. We have to be very mindful that we're building up not only ourselves, but our people to them and around them. So whether it's my wife, whether it's somebody on, my, on the board, whether it's somebody, an employee, um, I want to say great things that enhance them. And I'm leading with their motivation and their desire and listen, you know, and, you know, we do that. But I also want to speak positively away from them as well, because good things don't travel as fast as gossip and bad things, but they do travel. Okay, so when it gets kicked back that, oh, you know, you spoke really nicely about your why, you know, when you speak great about your job, your relationships, your life, it attracts people. And then when they, now they want what you have, they want to do these different things or they are attracted to come and work for you and with you. And when, you know, your wife or your boss shows up somewhere, you've already talked so positive about it, it feels good. And the bully language, there are some words that are so significant that we use to bully ourselves and intentionally or hopefully not, not unintentionally other people. But if, can't, try, just, only, should, deserve, and happy, it will bully you and bully our people and I, I get to share what to replace it with. And so many times we don't even know we're saying it. It's not yeah. intentional. Once you learn it, you're like, ooh, 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 and you catch yourself. I learned a couple years ago, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that um, what we focus on expands. Mm. And so I am tremendously mindful of the sentences that come out of my mouth, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm afraid I'm going to say something that then I'm going to get. Yeah. It's not something that I want. The truth, at 19 years as a mental health therapist, you know, I, I, I learned a lot. However, this one stands the test of time. What you think about will impact then how you feel. Most people think it starts with a feeling. No, it's what you think about then impacts how you feel then what you do, and then the consequences thereafter, either negative or positive. Mm -hmm. It is impossible to be walking around negatively talking about your relationship, your job, your life, your kids, and whatever, and then go back to it and love it. And you multiply that, compound that by days, weeks, months, years, decades. What kind of life did you think you were going to have? <laughs> you know? Think about that argument you had with your significant other or disagreement you had with your boss. How many times did you play that argument over what you should have said and what to do, all of this stuff in your head? It, do, it, it doesn't tend to make you better. It doesn't tend to make you feel better. It doesn't set you up for leadership and moving forward. You get stuck. Yeah. And when I was an employee, I knew people would come in, they would complain about the boss or their argument they had with their significant other. And anyone that would come inside their eight, 18 inches of personal space would get that story all day long. <laughs> <laughs> hard to go to skip to work after thinking like that all day and okay. go back home talking about honey I'm home I love you when you talk like that all day yeah. we have to be very mindful of what I call construction talk be mindful of the things that we say 
um, on a consistent basis. And we're allowed to have some hiccup days, some hiccup moments. Leaders rebound quicker than everybody else. Right. You know, rebound quicker, apologize quicker, and move on forward and onward quicker than everybody else, because that sets an example. And it kind of makes you human. Hmm. Andre had a bad day, but look how bad, look how he rebounded. Wow. Like that. And it's, it's just an impressive because now you're not only a machine that's doing this, that they don't believe is real. Now you're real and doing it better than them. So you're an example, a good example, a great example. Right. Okay. So, so now I would really like to talk about leadership. So how do you define leadership? Oh, wow. Um, I have a, Five words, five words that would quickly define leadership. Can you be of influence, impact, protect, decide, and have expectations? And very quickly, influence, can we positively share a vision? Share the vision with our people. And most people will stop right there, Diane. You guys listening, most people will stop right there. And just think about it. There are millions of people all over the world about 7 billion people in this world. There's millions, billions of people all over the world that have a vision of being rich. And they're all sitting on the couch right now doing nothing. (laughs) You know, vision is not enough to get you to where you want to go. So you have your vision. Then what are the vision factors? The three to five things that you know when you do them and the team does them consistently, the vision takes care of itself. Can you positively share that? One, do you have it? Can you share it and be consistent with your team to positively move people forward? Can you be of impact? We always think of, I'm sure you have, listeners, you guys have a boss or a coach that you can think about right now that impacted your life, whether it's something they said, did, or disciplined you, whatever it was, you got the lesson and you still live by it and teach it today. That's impact. Will you, will we, can I be of impact for somebody else two years, five years, 20 years from now like that. The third one is protect. This is the one that gets forgotten about the most and pains my heart the most because leaders must protect a couple things. One, we must protect our people from themselves. <laughs> you know, Sometimes we have to protect our people from their bad habits. You know which employee is late or maybe rough around the edges communication-wise who may uh, be late with deadlines. I have four kids. I know what kid won't wake up and, and get to school on time and you know, <laughs> struggle to do their homework or follow through with, you know, we know our people and their habits. So we set up boundaries. We set up some rules and expectations that minimize that problem. So are we proactive with that? Have we created a culture that, you know, they know? Um, the other thing that we need to protect against, we need to protect our people from us sometimes as leaders. You Wait, know, what? Yes. As leaders, we must be able and willing to protect our people from us. So here's an example. Okay. I talk about the five types of employees. We have the inspired and motivated. Everyone wants the inspired and motivated, you know, you know employee. However, we know the employees that will always say yes, that we can overburden, expand their list, keep dumping on, and they either burn out or we're not curious enough about, have no idea why they're there, what they want to get out of it, and they get bored out because the wrong things or not enough is on their list. And what happens is when they burn out or bore out, they either swipe left in this generation we live in, and you don't even know they're swiping, and then they quit. 
That's a problem. Or they get bitter and they stay. That's a problem too. Because if our organizational or leadership practices have caused an inspired and motivated to turn into a grouch, that's not good for us. That's not, that's poor leadership. So sometimes we have to protect people from us. I also know as a leader that I need not have a conversation when I'm hangry. That's when you're so hungry, you're angry, <laughs> you know? Or having a conversation when somebody else is hot and using deserved language. Yeah. One of the things I teach is the priority response. Hey, I'm so glad that you're interested and we want inspired you know, employees saying this and questioning it and challenging us. Right now, I'm on my way to a meeting. How about Thursday at two, we get together and talk about this. And it, say, it protects them because they're hot and might say something that they can't take back or regret. And we don't want to engage in this while we're in our tornado of responsibility because the third thing we need to protect is our time. Leaders, we got to protect our time. As a leader, you're not meant to be Mr. or Mr. Mrs. Fix-It at all times. Yeah. This open door policy, it's a farce. Think of pre-COVID when you had an office and people would come in and a five minute question becomes an hour conversation. Look what it did to your time. So we have to get better at protecting our time while still serving our people. Uh, one of the other words, the fourth word, yeah. I mentioned decisions. Yeah. Of course, we have a lot of decisions to make. And whatever decision you make, you make it, own it, knowing it's the best decision at the time and let it evolve. The decision that I'm talking about mostly is the decision to arrive to your work with your head up, eyes up, smiling, doing your best and being your best. Doing your best means knowing your craft. You're the leader. Nobody knows your craft and the business like you, okay? Um, and being your best is great personal leadership, how you carry yourself, the words you choose to use, how you engage with people, knowing their language and speaking their language and meeting needs and moving forward. The most simplest part is seems to be the hardest part. I had one boss one time that I worked there for about a year. And to this day, I cannot pick her out of a lineup because I don't know her face. Wow. However, I know the top of her head because as she walked <laughs> through the office, <laughs> As she walked through the office, she was always on her phone, head down, no eye contact, no hello, how you doing, happy Tuesday, no, nothing. So wow. the power of walking in the office every day with your head up, eyes up, make eye contact, greet people, smile, doing your best and being your best goes a long way. People, your people will do so much more for you, with you, and forgive about you when they feel connected to you. Yeah. The last one is expectations. And I came up with a quote years ago and it stands true. A vision, we're back to that. A vision without expectations is just hope. And expectations without consequences are merely suggestions. Yes. So consequences don't always have to be this big, bad corporate enforceable right. write-up. It's your yeah. willingness, our willingness, one, to know the vision the expectations and the rules, having follow through, but also being, most of all, being willing to have the tough conversations. And a lot of leaders are, are, are so many employees think that leaders wake up wanting to ruin their day. Yeah. And they don't know that most leaders would prefer not to have this tough conversation. And most are bad at it. So they either over overcompensate or don't have it at all. Yeah. 
So the willingness to have the tough conversation and follow through with the plan that comes out of it is monumental. Oh my God. So I, I, I have to, oh my God. I mean, it, this is so incredibly important and you are so right. I, you know, and, and, and the employees know it. Yes. If they watch it happening and when you don't follow through mm-hmm. on whatever that consequence is, what you're telling your good employees is that they don't matter. Yep. And you're telling your not so good employees that they can get away with, you know, they're leading the company. They can get away with anything. And it winds up being a slow implosion, but an implosion nonetheless. Yeah. It's hard then as a leader for you to get up the courage to go confront and have a tough conversation with someone. And when the employee says, well, so-and-so's done this, we want to bang the gavel and say, well, I'm talking to you. It's not about so-and-so, but yes, it is because they've seen it. And most people all over the world, people in general, they know when they did something wrong. They know when the conversation need to, needed to be had and whether they fight it or not, they know. So when it doesn't come, you know, I used to work in um, facilities, uh, mental health facilities, and, yeah. you know, I ran units there. And who do you think knew the rules the best, the staff or the clients? The clients knew the rules. Yeah. <laughs> they knew it. And they could train people as they came in of who you could get over. They, they knew it. Yeah. So our people know it. And the last thing you want to do, the most, this, this one company out there, I, I won't mention the name. It, it was, uh, they had the, their employees of the month. And, you know, I, how I feel about that, I, I don't know. But some people really like it, right? Um, <laughs> but they had their employees of the month. And they had all 12 months up on the board. So you could see who they were. The saddest part is seven out of the 12 no longer work for the company. Oh. Well, what is up with that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there were some leadership things going on here that, you know, we want to be able, when we're losing people, first off, when we decide as an organization that we're going to move forward, and I tell people, here's the ingredients. The, the old adage is that when you found people and, and companies are huge on their emerging leaders, their emerging stars. Yeah. As if that's most of your population. It's not. We need to broaden our focus. But when somebody has talent and work ethic, you're going to give them coaching and opportunity. And I'm saying, let's switch that. Hmm. As an organization, start with coaching. Let's get everybody better in leadership and work-life harmony and their job. Share with them the opportunities that exist within your company. Most of your employees have no idea what more they can do for you. Now, when you do that, that will enhance their talent and work ethic. And when you do this and you commit it to this type of culture, you are going to lose great people. But it's not because of poor leadership. It's now due because it's not enough money for the raises. It's not enough positions available. And you're going to lose great people, but that's okay because you're losing them becoming a gold standard where they go out into the world and people are like, oh, you came from there? That's awesome. And then you have new people that want to come there because of how you coach, provide opportunities and build. It's a win. I call that the leader's ingredient. So we got to get used to coaching our people better and stop focusing on this one little pod. Yeah, that's interesting. So I find this so interesting because I so agree with you that 
it, and it goes back to um, actually the, the first word, the influence, because I think so many leaders don't realize that they aren't communicating enough and consistently mm -hmm. enough mm -hmm. for their people to really know what the vision is, how they contribute to it, yep. what the opportunities are, where the resources are, you know, fill in the blank. There's just so many things that, that people don't know. Well, and those that are communicating, there are, they are not, and not due to poor intention, they are not communicating as specific as they think they are. Yeah. Um, so when I do my leap into leadership is session two of my Evolve and Lead training program, we, we, we get into a leader's three, the, that vision, the vision factors, the expectations, and the rules that you have. Um, and it never ceases to amaze me. I can be sitting with C-suite, middle management, doesn't matter. And I ask them what they are, and so many don't know. And then when they do, okay, let's, let's formulate that. What is your vision for you as a professional and your team within SDI? Or, or not, not mean SDI, I mean within your organization, whether you are uh, Google, whether you're Nike, whether you are, it doesn't matter. Yeah. What is your vision for you professionally uh, and for your team? What are the vision factors? Those three to five things. What is the expectation? And then what are the rules? And when people start to actually say it out loud, because all they have had it is in their head, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but when they share it, it's either too wordy, it's too vague. Yeah. Hey, we want to collaborate and we want great teamwork. Okay. Well, what the heck does that look like? Because, or we want people to engage respectfully. Okay. Well, my definition of respect, I came from inner city Philadelphia growing up. My definition of respect when I was young was way different from somebody else's de definition of respect. And then when you go to have that tough conversation with me, well, I was doing respect. So we got to get the shovel out and get rid of the vague language. And if you, and a simple thing is this, if you can still ask, how are we going to do that? You have not gotten specific enough. If your 13 year old can't read your leaders three and understand it, it's too complicated. Short, simple, sweet, to the point, and let's move forward. So, uh, so that's a really big thing. I, I share people, look, my, my, here's an example for you guys listening. My vision is this for professionally. I want to be the best in the world in my space of leadership and work-life harmony. I want to be wealthy in time and in money with ideas that I've conceptualized and in the company that I run. That's my vision. When I stop there, so what? My vision factors to do that, to make this happen, I need to one, create great content. I need to two, uh, network appropriately. And then three, I need to create passive income based off of my products. Therefore, I now know when people present me with opportunities, I say no a lot to people. I say some yeses. Knowing that allows me to know what to say yes and no to because if it's not in that real house it's no or not right now and i explain why and it's hard to argue that yep my expectation is i and the expectation has to be simple i want to leave people organizations teams or the stranger i meet in the street better than when i met them period that's it my rules i do not believe you need a lot of rules However, you will need some, or I guarantee you that you will not be leading for long. 
my three rules, and you could have your own three. One, be on time, preferably five minutes before you said you were going to be there. Be punctual. Number two, if we go back and forth more than three or four times in an email, let's get on the con on a call. Let's get face to face or voice to voice. Clean it up. Number three, and this is the biggest one that most leaders and companies adopt. Please accompany your problem with a suggested solution. Mm -hmm. We cannot lead when we are constantly putting out fires all day, rolling our sleeves, sleeves up and doing the job instead of doing the people that do the job. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when, when I have my team, when I have my staff, what do you think we, we need to do? And that's ingrained. So they come with a solution. And I tell them and leaders, this is what we have to say. One of three things is going to happen when you present your solution. One, you blow my socks off and we have to do your idea because it's that great. Number two, we might collaborate on an idea because I know the bigger picture. Always share the bigger picture. So let's mm -hmm. fine tune the idea to fit inside the bigger picture. Number three, we may not go with your idea. Here's the bigger picture. Can you now fit your idea inside this bigger picture? And then let's talk about it Thursday at two o'clock. They have to do that development work away from you because you aren't protecting your time and enhancing their leadership. Leaders build leaders. So you're sharing the bigger picture. Now let them put their idea into that. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But train them to be thinking without you around. Yeah. Yeah, right. Right. So that's mine. And I said, look, I can say mine like that. Yeah. As a leader, if you can't say it and where it's too vague, how do you penalize consequence and enforce right. expectations that are ambiguous. They're operating yeah. off their own or none at all. Yeah, it, it, it's so true. Like one of the things that um, that I believe is that leaders aren't expected to have all the answers. They're expected to convene the resources to find the answers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when, when your people get used to this idea of coming to you with everything to get solved, you're not benefiting you, you're not benefiting your company, and you're not benefiting your employees. And it's something to be mindful of as a leader, because I believe there's a difference between leaders and managers. Um, yeah. We all learn how to manage before we know how to lead. So no harm and foul if you're a manager. Um, when I was elevated to a position of leadership, there was some ego involved. Okay, so I like being it. First off, most people like the job they were initially hired to do. And they only got promoted to leadership because they did a job or that job really well. Doesn't mean they know how to lead. So when they get promoted, they don't want to give up that job. They want to keep some tasks. They like being in the weeds, so to speak, with their team. That's no longer what you're getting paid to do. Or, or it's a control issue. I don't want to give it up because nobody's going to do it like me or as fast as me. Right. It makes you feel good to get it done. It makes you feel purposeful. So when we delegate these tasks, the first thing we have to understand is what? What do we have to give up? Why do we have to give it up? Who are we giving it to and does it match their superpower? And what evolving tasks do you have beyond that? Because if you don't have a bigger vision, a bigger thing that you're going to be focusing on, you're going to be doing that, annoying your people and micromanaging the heck out of them. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. I never looked at micromanaging that way. I mean, other than the control thing, mm -hmm. but I never looked at it in terms of there's a security and a safety in doing 
the little things. Yeah, or you really like it. When I was I was a therapist for a long time, and I got um, the, the the hard thing about being a therapist is there is no promotion. The promotion takes you away inherently from what you love. Because yeah. now you're in administration. There's that's the only <laughs> that's the only way up. So most people accept it because now it may be salary, or it doesn't make sense. Most people don't know how to say no to a promotion. How do you go home and tell your family, I'm going to turn down guaranteed more money and responsibility. Are you okay with that? You know, so they take it. And I remember fighting in the interview. I remember fighting for this, Diane, in the interview. Hey, you want me to do this job? This is what it entails. But I really want to hold on to some clients and this and that. And they fought against it, but they gave in. And eventually, five years later, the 10 clients that I was holding on to now have turned into 40. My other responsibilities had doubled. The company was used to me doing this. And now the tough conversation is being had with me as to why my paperwork isn't done. Uh I set myself up for burnout because I didn't respect my evolving tasks. I didn't know how to use my people the right way. I wanted to create a bunch of mini me's and I wanted to hold on and be in the weeds instead of doing the people that are in the weeds. Yeah. Well, that's a great example. It was a big learning lesson. (laughs) It was a a painful learning lesson. (laughs) Most of them are. (laughs) So what would you say to someone who is in a leadership position and they are listening to this right now and they are identifying themselves in in some or, you know, all of what you're talking about? What, What, like, is there like a first step or a first thing they can do to start changing yeah. the dynamic? Um, yeah, there, there's, well, a couple of things. Generically, the self-awareness um, is huge. Um, one of the biggest things from a generic standpoint and self-awareness standpoint from uh, being a leader and doing business, once I stopped focusing so much on what I wanted to do or sell, and I started then marrying it with what my people, whether it's employees, whether it was interns, whether it's clients or customers, what they wanted, starting with what they wanted to get out of it, and then marrying what I knew needed to happen and marrying them together, that's when everything evolved and took off. Hmm. So, so many times we only ask our employees, our people, why they want the job, all of these great interview questions, the day they got interviewed. And then we never ask it again. <laughs> we do annual evaluations about how poor they're doing or not doing enough once a year and think that's leadership. That's crap. Excuse my language. So one of the things that the two things that are that I believe are big are the leaders three that I mentioned. Get clear with the vision and vision factors, the expectations and rules. We then have to be able to effectively and consistently communicate them throughout the day, the work day, our meetings, um, you know, our conversations, our emails. Uh, And not in an abusive Gestapo type of way, but as a part of our new culture. And we can even reveal, hey, look, this is the new way that we're going. You can announce it, make it formal. And hey, I understand that this is going to be a change. I've accept how things have been. It's a new day. This is the vision, vision factors, expectations and rules. We hope that everybody moves forward with us. But I know this is going to be a problem for some. We, We need people doing this. So now when it's time to have that tough conversation, it's not the first time they've heard it. Right. Um, the second part, and there's more to that, obviously, yeah. in the training yeah. that I teach, but um, the second part is what I call one-on-one meetings. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I call it. It's what everybody calls one-on-one meetings. The <laughs> difficulty is this. It's the number one canceled and rescheduled meetings across all organizations. And for noble reasons, right? People are so busy being busy, chasing busy. And I get it. We're all busy. And my response to this is, so what? Um, We have to put them in the calendar. We have to make it an expectation. We must follow through with them. And I give some bullet points on how to have it. I always like starting every training, every meeting, even when I meet with my board for for the charity that I run. What's been your positive of the week? Or if you do it monthly, what's been your positive of the month? And I go first. And it it could be 30 seconds. If you have a large group, you go first and pick four other people to go. And, you know, people get applauded for it because I say, listen, most of us are not going home or closing our laptop and walking back to our families, getting a standing ovation. (laughs) So let's gift our people with some applause for their positives, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, I shared, like just today, I shared, uh, you know, my son just won the county championship. And then I got asked to speak, uh, you know, nationally at these events. And it was really cool. You know, I've heard people say my daughter just got all A's or my son just stopped getting bullied at school, whatever it was. Yeah. And it's amazing because now we're getting human to human really quickly yeah. in a 30 second to minute time span. I have no idea what this person's going to say. And neither do you when you ask them their positive of the month. Now, as a leader, you must go first because they have no idea what they have no idea what you want to hear and most people are not used to speaking this way you ask most people hey how are things oh it's too rainy it's too wet it's too snowy it's too summer it's too (laughs) cut through it and let's get to the positive uh the next is my question is this what do you want to get out of our meeting today so yeah and if it's the first one what do you want to get out of working with me for me and in this organization And in the next meeting, what do you want to get out of our meeting? Let them share. They may say something that blows your doors off. Like, hey, I want to know how to get a raise, or I want to know how to get on this committee, or I want to know how to be able to do this. You would have never guessed because we typically lead lazy. We lead with what's important to us. We love what's important to us. Let them speak. Maybe they say nothing. Okay, great. The next part is we now mesh the goal. They said what they wanted to get out of it. This is what I know you need and what the company needs you to do to move forward. Let's marry the two. Now, how are we going to do that? So we just talked about that. How are we going to make this happen over the next month into our next meeting? Boom. And then we, so we have a plan and then we leave. Now, this is the key part. This is the key. You have this meeting and you don't do this. You're setting, you're not finishing. It's the cherry on top. You want to ask, what was your biggest takeaway from our meeting today? Let them answer it because whatever they say is going to be more important and more true to them than you telling them what was good. Yes. And what it also does, you know, uh, when we're back in the office, especially when they walk out of your door, they walk with a little bit more bop in their step because they just said something that's true and helpful. And the, and the, the inspired and motivated are watching. The grouches in your organization, they're watching. And one of the best conversations that is going to happen in your company and about your leadership, you will never hear. Because that employee that walks out, they're going to say, hey, did you do your one-on-one meeting yet? And the guy says, or the woman says, no, it's going to be stupid. I'm not looking forward to it. And that person says, no, 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 you need to go because it's really good. Yeah. That's winning. That's winning because you made it about them that you messed your goals. And now that one-on-one meeting, because it's scheduled, 
what it does is it protects you because one, it limits surprises. That employee whose list, because a lot of times we don't know our people's list. We assume as a leader that the only thing yeah. on their list is what we gave them. Yeah. When you have inspired and motivated employees, they're doing your favors and everybody else's favors. Know what's on their list. Maybe it's too long. Maybe it needs to be reprioritized. Maybe it's not enough. So we want to protect us from surprises and the one-on-one meetings help that. And it also allows you to enhance your company, your leadership and theirs because you know what's important and you're getting it out and not dumping it on them. It's all scheduled. So that, that's, you know, that's the two things. Uh, know your leaders three and be willing to have your one-on-one meetings, making it about them, marrying the concepts. And uh, it, it's hard not to win when you're doing it that way. It really is. No doubt. I mean, I, I, there is so much of value in that. I, I love all of that. It, it, is, it is just really, and none of it is difficult. That's the no. other thing I like about it. Like, it's not like it's complicated. Right. It, it feels like it it creates less complication because it, there's consistency there. There's clear communication. I love asking them, you know, what their biggest takeaway was from the meeting. Because boy, it sure does let you know. It does because it might not be your same answer. Right. You're thinking this, and then they said that. And like for even when I started doing my speaking engagements, and even now, I, I ask after I explain concepts or afterwards. And what I thought may have, <laughs> what I used to think was the big juggernaut that I wrote and I, I was going to talk about, it was something completely different. And you're <laughs> like, wow, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's what I need to be selling, you know? And, um, you know, it's amazing. So let the world speak to you about what they got from it and, you know, mess your goals. Now, the one tip that I will say is that after the one-on-one meetings, you have to send, that, send it in the email. Um, hey, great meeting with you. I'm yeah. so glad we got to talk about it. You know, as per our meeting, pop, 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 pop. Because each meeting should build off of the other. And leaders also want to protect ourselves. Yeah. Because you having that meeting and with it out, if it ain't documented, it didn't happen. Yep. So protect yourself. Now, does this add a little bit more to your day? Yeah, it does. Look at the value it added. Yeah. You know, look at the value that it added. And you'll You'll start to see who is going to continue with you and maybe who may not. And uh-huh. that's a win-win. That's okay. Yeah. Right. That's a hard thing for people to wrap their head around. I think that, that when you have that clarity and that consistency and you're communicating effectively, the, the people who don't feel a resonance are going to leave. And that's a good thing. You want them to leave because it's not right for them. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it's not right for the company. Right. And we can like them. We can support them. And when I share, I say, listen, your, your 60% effort here is better than somebody else's 35% effort in company B. So you're going to be a win for them. We want to create a vacancy that somebody can come in and now do it our way and give their 90 to hundred percent our way. And that's okay. Right. You know? Um, So I I see it as a, as a win-win. You know, yeah. they're a better fit somewhere else. And, you know, I, you know, playing professional sports it happens all the time. Yep. You know, and it's not about taking it personal. It's not right. about taking it personal. Yeah. Right. It's, it's about um, the team. You know, it's about who working well together. It's about working well together, the culture. And because you're having the one-on-ones, it's not a surprise. Yep. It need not be a surprise to you or to them. 
Right. And we give, uh, you know, I, I, in my book, and, you know, I do this around the country as well, the leader seven. It's the seven languages that your people need, want, and benefit most hearing from you. And you enjoy hearing back from them. But we have to be able to speak all seven. So this person's operating at 65% or not doing, okay, well, what's their language? If their knowledge and advancement and, uh, and flexibility, that's good for me to know. I can lead with that. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it's so many different things that we can do as leaders that are easy to use, common sense. It takes intention. Yes. It takes intention. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Andre, I, I love all this information. This has been so great. Will you um, tell the listeners, you know, how they can find you, how they can find your books, you know, the, what you've got going on, please? Sure, sure. Um, the easiest place where everything is at is youevolvingnow.com. So it's Y-O-U, evolvingnow.com. Um, so many of my services, free videos um, there from my leadership thought of the weeks are there. The books are there. Uh, you could get um, Seven Ways to Lead, which is my newest book. You could get that on Amazon or wherever you get books or go to the website. Um, I also have a free app. So if you like what you heard today, I say, let me live in your pocket five days a week. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that's called Y-E-N, so Yen Push. And you allow the notifications and there's a leadership video there on Mondays, a uh, article uh, written by me on Thursdays and a quote of the week on, uh, uh, on Saturdays and then some podcasts that I do as well. So uh, that, that's a lot of the information and everything is at youevolvingnow.com. Oh, that's excellent. Thank you. And I'll make sure that that information is in the show notes. So again, thank you so much for spending this time with me and listeners. Thank you. You are who we are doing this for. If you would like a free trial of audible.com, please head over to audibletrial.com slash business growth, sign up, and then go exploring the audiobooks, the programs, the guided meditations, everything that's there. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.